0: and have a seat this morning while called by name takes a seat and uh, why don't you watch the screens as we get started thinking about complacency this morning complacency how does it happen how how does it take hold of us i mean it just over time it just continues to kind of wear at us and and wear us down and and we get numb and it's like we're wearing blindfolds and and we just can't see things we ought to see anymore complacency what is this what does this whole complacency thing do to us Well, if we start out this morning and we just look at complacency and understand how incredibly serious this is for us in our spiritual walk, Um, right away we just go to the wisdom of uh, Proverbs and uh, hear hear what it says there. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Now look at the last verse. In fact, why don't you say it with me? It's kind of mid-morning and make sure you're awake this morning. Uh, Say it with me, will you? Fools are destroyed by their own Wow. So complacency is a destroyer. Complacency is a destroyer. And, and what Proverbs wants you to get here is to understand that if you don't take this topic seriously, if you don't understand the, the importance of this word in your life, then you are absolutely foolish. And, and that's what leads to destruction. That, that if you let complacency fool you, Complacency is going to take over your life and, and it's going to lead you to destruction. Destruction. It is a destroyer by its nature. Young people, are you listening this morning? Are you listening? you got to understand the power this morning that complacency has to take hold of your life even at your age, whatever it is. To, to get those blindfolds on, to become complacent, to become numb, to just not see the way life is. So take seriously what you're going to hear this morning, okay? Let's look at complacency. How in the world does it to get a hold of us? What does it look like? Well, complacency, one of the ways it comes at us is that it's uh, satisfaction with the way things are. We get complacent. Why? Well, we get complacent because things are good. We get complacent because we, we look at our lives and we say, Well, I'm pretty comfortable. I, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I like the way life is. And therefore, we get comfortable and complacent, right? There's kind of a word from Revelations uh, 3 where uh, the Holy Spirit, kind of speaking through John of Patmos, says, I know all the things you do that you're neither hot nor cold. He knows the whole scope of life, right? I know all the things you do, okay? So I'm taking everything into account in your life, and here's the assessment. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So if you're neither hot nor cold, what are you? His answer is lukewarm. Another word we could use is complacent, right? You're just complacent. Neither hot nor cold, just complacent. So what leads these people to this life of being lukewarm life? He says, since you're lukewarm, water, neither hot nor cold, I spit you out of my mouth. He does not want anything to do with the lukewarm, right? 17, why are they lukewarm? You say... I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need anything. What made them complacent? They're comfortable. Life is good. And notice the focus, the focus of their evaluation of life. I'm rich. I don't need a thing. I have everything I want. What's the focus? I It's not about God. It's not about what God wants to do in your life. It's not about the vision and the future that God has for your life. It's not about the chazon that God's got planned for you. It's not about what God can do or wants to do in your life. It's all about, I'm comfortable. Evaluating life and saying it's all about me is the beginning of complacency. And you get to that place in your life where you just say, well, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm okay the word to us at the end is powerful it says you don't realize what you really are is wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked (laughs) wait a minute i thought they said they were rich i mean they said they were rich and yet the judgment of the holy spirit is they are poor and miserable and wretched and blind and Do you see a little contrast there? You see, the Holy Spirit looks at their life and says, No, you don't understand. You're you, you, you evaluating according, according to your standards. What you're missing is what God has in store for you. You're becoming complacent to what God can do in your life. You're becoming complacent in your comfort about what God wants to achieve in you and through you. You're becoming complacent and you're making God powerless. Why? you're complacent in your comfort and it destroys, it destroys the future and the possibility of what God predetermined was the vision for your life. Do you see how dangerous complacency is? We get complacent because we get in our own comfort. We should learn this. I'm I, preparing for today. I ran across uh, this piece of information. I didn't know this, but you know, you see those uh, eagles' nests, these giant eagles' nests up in the big? I mean, they're big, honking nests, right? And uh, wh- when the eagle starts making that nest, it makes the, the, ba- the bottom of the nest, it makes it out of sticks and thorns and jagged rocks and, you know, some pretty thorny, rough stuff, right? And then, as, as it, you know, eats, it keeps whatever the, like the fur and the feathers and stuff like that, and it makes a nice, soft cushion over all this jagged stuff. And so, you know, when, when the eaglets are born, they're born into this nice, comfortable place, and, and it's warm, and it's comfortable, and, and, of course, mom and dad are providing free food, and, you know, kind of sounds like, you know, our kids, right? I mean, it's comfortable and warm, and mom and dad provide free food and gas, and it's real comfortable, right? But then what happens? What, what happens with the eagle is that when the eaglets are ready to fly, when they're at that place where they ought to be doing more in their life, the the mother eagle starts ripping up the nest. She starts ripping up this comfortable stuff and, and ripping it out of the nest so the eaglets are left with what? The discomfort of the sticks and the thorns and the jagged rocks. Why does she do that? Well, she does that because she knows there's something more for them to do than live in this comfortable place. That they were born for something more. They were born to fly. They were born to be eagles, right? They they were born for something more. And so the mother eagle rips up the nest to make them uncomfortable. Why? Because they become complacent in their comfort. That's what happens to us. We get comfortable in our prosperity. When we're not born for that. We're not born for that kind of prosperity. We're born for kingdom prosperity. We're born for whatever God wants to do in our life complacency destroys the opportunity for God to do more because we get satisfied with the way things are. Complacency also comes at us and can take hold of our life when it it causes us to reject reject what might be. We get complacent when we begin to just reject what might be in our life. Now, Verse 9 in uh, Romans, or chapter 9, uh, verse 13 in Romans has always been an awkward verse uh, for me. I don't know about you if you've read it, but it's always been kind of one of these awkward verses like, what is that all about? And you got to really think through this. It, it comes and it says, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Wow, I mean, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? It means God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau. What's up with that? Why, why did God feel so strongly about Esau? Well, if you go back into the story, and you go back into Genesis 25, and you know it's the story of Jacob and Esau, and they're two twins, and, and uh, Esau is the oldest who, who comes out first, and Jacob comes out next. And and uh, so Esau's got the birthright, and and Esau is, you know, the hunter and strong, and, and dad loves uh, Esau, and, and Jacob is more mild-mannered and kind of conniving and smart, and... And mom loves Jacob, right? And and so they have this constant battle between the two of them. In Genesis 25, we get the experience of Esau coming in. And look what Esau does. This is just, this is why. You're going to get it right here. One day, Jacob was cooking some stew when Esau came home hungry and said, I'm starving to death. Give me some of the, of the red stew right now. That's how Esau got his name, Edom. Jacob replied, Sell me your rights as the firstborn son. I'm about to die, Esau answered. What good will those rights do me? But Jacob said, promise me your birthrights here and now. And that's what Esau did. Why does God hate Esau? Because he became complacent about what God could do in his future. And he gave up his birthright. I mean... What kind of question is that? Are, are you serious, Esau? What good will those rights do? What good will God's blessing do in my life? I mean, what good could possibly happen in the future if I become the favored of God? I mean, what good? You see what he's doing? He comes becomes complacent to his birthright. He, he becomes complacent and says... Well, what can God do in my life? What, what good is this birthright? What good is God's favor? What good is God's blessing? You know what it translates into our life? It comes into our life and it says, Well, you know, I guess this is the way my marriage is going to be. And, I, I, you know, it just is the way it is. You know, I guess my relationship with my kids is just going to stay at this level. And, I mean, that, that's I'm just going to have to get used to that. Or my work life, you know, well, you know, I guess that's just as high as I'm going to get. That's just all I'm going to be able to do. I mean, there's nothing more for me. And, You see what all those attitudes of complacency do? They absolutely eliminate the possibility that God has something more for you to be. They absolutely eliminate. You become complacent and you say, Well, I guess God can't make something more out of my marriage. I guess God can't make something more out of my family. I guess God can't make something more out of my vocation. I guess God can't make something more out of me. You become complacent and you forfeit what God can do in your life. That's why complacency is a destroyer. It is a destroyer because it gets us to that place in our life where we become complacent to the point that we give God away. We give the birthright away. That's what God hated. God hated the idea that Esau couldn't see the power of God and the possibility of God in his life. Zephaniah 1, the prophet Zephaniah warns the people of Israel in the southern kingdom, and and he talks about God's attitude towards this complacency, about about looking at God in that way. He says, I'll search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit, what? Complacent, that's the word, complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. What are they complacent in? So, what can God do about it? Isn't that it? So, what's up? What can God do about that? They become complacent with the power and the possibility of what God can do in their life. That's why God hates it. That's why He hates it, because it destroys everything that He looks at our lives and dreams about our lives and knows that our lives can accomplish. Ultimately, then, what does it do? complacency draws us away. It draws us away. It draws us away from God. It draws us away from the future that God has for us. It draws us away from the power of God in our lives. It draws us away. When we get complacent about God, we can see it in King Solomon, supposed to be one of the wisest guys ever, right? But he messed up here pretty bad in 1 Kings 11. It says, Now Solomon loved many foreign women, besides Pharaoh's daughters, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. Now, the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Now, God was pretty clear with Solomon, right? Pretty clear, saying, look, this you got to stay in, in the word, you got to stay firm here. Pretty clear about it, what does Solomon do? Solomon becomes complacent, and instead... Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. He was a busy man, especially around Valentine's Day. And in fact, and in fact, see this is the fact now, this is the fact, don't miss it, this is the fact, the destroyer, and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. He became complacent about what God was and could do in his life. And he went with his own comfort. He became complacent about what God expected in his life. And what happened? In fact, he was taken away. See what complacency does? Complacency is a destroyer. Complacency comes along and it takes hold of our life and it lowers our life. It, complacency, causes us to lower our morals. It causes us to lower our expectations. It causes us to lower our standards. It causes us to lower everything that we dream about in the future for ourselves. It causes us to lower our relationship with God. Complacency is a destroyer. And the truth, complacency is rampant in the church and in our nation it is all over the place you know this you're thinking about it right now I mean think about those that have been around long enough think about movies in the in, in 30 years ago think about the, the Mary Tyler Moore show where, where when they did the bedroom in the Mary Tyler Moore show it was his bed and her bed and now you go to the movies and what is it If it's R-rated, it's soft porn in a lot of cases, isn't it? How'd that happen? Because we became complacent, people of God. We became complacent. We just let it wear on us and wear on us and wear on us. And we put on those blindfolds like in the picture. We put on those blindfolds and we just kind of ignored it. And we just became complacent. And we said, well, yeah, that's just the way it is. Really? That's the way it is because we allow it. It's the way it is because we buy into complacency and it destroys. And it'll destroy the church and it'll destroy our nation because that's what complacency does. This is a huge word for us. We need to understand the power of complacency and begin to stand up and fight back. I mean, we're hearing in the news a lot today, I mean, the recent weeks and months here, we're hearing a lot about, about the church is under assault. Heard that? The church is under assault. Guess what? We always have been. <laughs> What's new? Of course the church is under assault. Absolutely. The kingdom of darkness has continually been trying to destroy the church. And it will do anything and use any structure in the world to do it including the government. And so we'll be complacent. And we'll let laws get passed that undermine the family. We'll get be complacent. And, and we'll let decisions get made that are totally contrary to the Word of God. We'll get complacent and just say, well, yeah, you know, that's just the way it is. Really? When we allow ourselves to get captured by that kind of complacency, we have allowed destruction We've allowed destruction. And God is not a God of destruction. He is a God of life. So the question for us becomes overcome. That's the series, overcome. How do we overcome this complacency? Well, it's obvious, right? The place we always start. I mean, there's only one place to start in our life. If you want to overcome complacency, then you need to surrender. You need to surrender. If you're complacent right now about your marriage, if you're complacent right now about your relationship with your kids, if you're complacent right now about your vocation and your work life, if you're complacent about where life is for you right now, then you just got to give it up. You just got to surrender it. You just got to be able to say, "Listen, life is not about me. It's all about Christ." That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 22 when He talked about the greatest the most important commandment jesus said you must love the lord your god with what all your heart all your soul all your mind what's he saying listen it's all about christ my life is all about christ it's nothing about me i can't get complacent why there's no room for complacency when you're all about christ when you're all about christ there's no room for complacency because god has control of your life If you look at it, complacency can destroy us. But when you surrender life, when you give your life away, now God can fill you with a desire that insulates you from complacency. Here's where it is in Philippians 2. Paul says, Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now look at this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. What's up? See, when you surrender your life, you put yourself in a position to receive the desire and the power to be a kingdom difference maker. To be a kingdom difference maker. That's why we're here. We're here to be absolutely sold out. For Jesus Christ and to say our lives are all about him and if our lives are all about him and we keep receiving that desire and God keeps putting in front of us those opportunities there is no room in our life for complacency there's just no room for it every day becomes an opportunity for us then to go out there and make a difference for whatever it is God wants to accomplish in our lives when we're all about Christ there is no room for complacency Because God is always wanting more out of our lives. God is always putting more opportunity in our lives. God is always out in front of us dragging us forward to something better in our marriages, in our families, in our work, in all the things that comprise our life. There's no room for complacency. We overcome complacency when we get this and when we understand that we are the hope for the world. See, there's no room for complacency in our lives because we're the hope that the world has. They may not get it, they may not understand it, but we gotta get it. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, doing what? Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That's what we do. We cannot be complacent. Why? Because there's too many people out there that don't know Christ. There's there's too many institutions out there that aren't that aren't running according to the principles of of God's word. There's there's too much for us to do out there. We can't get complacent. Listen, I plan. This I plan on, on going on experiencing heaven someday. Amen. I want to make sure I know people up there. So I'm going to live my life taking as many people as I can with me. And if that's that's where my life is, There's no room for complacency. It means every person I meet is an opportunity. It means that every situation I am is an opportunity. That means everything that goes on in my life is an opportunity for God to do one more thing in one more person's heart to bring them to that place where they surrender their life to Christ. There is no room for complacency. You got Christchurch. We got to understand. If you're a Christchurch person today, covenant member especially, listen we got to understand, Christ's church is not just a church. We are a movement and we are a cause. Churches rise and fall. We are a movement and we are a cause. And each one of us that are sold out for Christ, we're here because our lives can make an incredible difference in the kingdom of heaven. We're a movement. We're a cause. We can never get complacent. Christ church can never get comfortable and never feel like, well, this is good, this is fine, we're getting lots of people, we're good now. No, there's one more person that needs Christ, we can never get complacent. It's just not possible for us. Why? Because we understand we are the hope. We overcome when we understand what God wants to do in our life. Young people, listen, God wants to do so much in your life. He has so many dreams for you, so many opportunities he can lay in front of you. And what will destroy that is if you just get complacent and start focusing and saying life is all about you. It's not. It's all about what God can do in you and through you. And you are the hope for the world. And, and what tells us that is when we stay centered in the Word. When we just stay centered in the Word. Paul says, hold firmly to the Word of life. Why? Because that's life. Complacency destroys. The Word gives life. And so we got to just stay in the Word. And when we stay in the Word and we stay on the mission and we stay in the task, then we understand the joy of what it means. How exciting it is to live each day knowing this is a difference day. This is a difference day. My life today, when I go do my marriage, when I go do my family, when I go do my work, when I go do whatever it is I do in that day, this is a difference day for the kingdom of heaven that's not complacency that's understanding what God created us for and what God can do in our lives we overcome when we experience the joy of that it means we put ourselves in a place where we seek what God has to offer this is at the end of, of Revelation 3 when he was talking about being lukewarm look what God says I advise you to buy gold from me gold that has been purified by fire that when you, are, that you will be rich and also buy white garments for me so you're not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you'll be able to see what's that all about listen surrender your life get filled up with God and there's no room for complacency there's no room for it that's what he says then I correct and discipline everyone I love so be diligent and turn from your complacency isn't it there Turn from your complacency. We overcome complacency when we get so rooted in the Word, when we stay in worship, when we get in small groups, when we surround ourselves with with the people of God, and when we stay in the mission and we understand our lives are for something more. And Jesus promises at the end that He will be with us in every situation and every circumstance. And your life can be more than you dream or imagine. You overcome complacency when you make your life not about you, but about Christ. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for giving us a chance to live and not just live, but to have that life that's on purpose, that life that's a difference maker, that life that stands for the kingdom. We know it's not easy. We know there's going to be challenges and disappointments and there's going to be heartache. We know all that we also know that you promised to be with us in everything. And we just want to be receivers. We just want to open ourselves up and, and ask you today, give everybody in this room such a desire, such a desire to live for you that there's no room in their life for complacency. Give them such a desire that there's no room for destruction, but only for life and for the abundance that you can bring. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing.